People like to have fun during the holidays. You know what's not fun? Returning an ugly sweater. Don't give anyone an ugly sweater this year. Give choice gift cards from giftcards.com instead, and they can pick their own sweater from some of their favorite brands. It's genius. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Free speech is under assault like never before. Freedom is under attack more now than ever before. Because radical doesn't mean crazy. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. With the help of the media, big tech, and the global elite, the left is attempting to seize control of my generation. It's time to fight back. It's time to let freedom ring. Hello, everybody. It's October 14th. 2021 and uh i hate to tell you joe biden is the worst president in american history i really think i'm gonna start every uh podcast stuff like that but we got a great show today we're gonna talk about uh biden asking billionaires for help we're gonna talk about biden potentially causing uh what could have been the next uh 9-11 we're gonna talk about some poll numbers we're gonna talk about some other issues i mean this is really going to be the biden is a terrible president podcast that's why i changed his name because it's all he just gives me so much i mean as a show host I enjoy Biden being president because it gives me so much. But as an American, uh, I don't. But this is, uh, I read this article in the Epic Times uh, that said, quote, supply chain disruptions force White House to ask Walmart, UPS, and FedEx to increase output. Carrier of goods, including Walmart, UPS, and FedEx, are moving to work more shifts, including 24 hours per day, seven days per week, to address the global supply disruptions that have contributed to, to a surge in inflation, said the White House Wednesday. The update was announced ahead of President President Joe Biden's meeting with the heads of both Walmart, FedEx, and UPS to address the supply chain bottlenecks before the Christmas season. But according to a fact sheet released by the administration, Walmart said it, quote, would increase its use of nighttime hours significantly and projects that, that this could increase as much as 50% over production over the next several weeks. Meanwhile, UPS said it would commit 24-7 operations and enhance, enhance data sharing with ports to move more containers out of the ports, said the White House. FedEx, the fact sheet said, will work to combine an increase in nighttime hours with changes to trucking and rail use to increase the volume of containers it will move from the ports. UPS and FedEx combined shipped approximately 40% of U.S. packages by volume in 2020, the White House said. A White House official told the news outlet that Wednesday that FedEx, UPS, and Walmart will move towards a 24-7 working schedule. Isn't it funny how now, because... You know, if if you can't buy your, your kid the toy he wants for Christmas, Joe Biden knows that it'll be very, very, very bad for his party. Isn't it crazy now how they want to ask billionaires for help and they want to say, hey, billionaire, they're probably giving them tax credits. I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it if they were getting tax credits. That'll probably come out. But let's keep reading. Across these six companies, over 3,500 additional containers per week will move at night throughout the end of the year, said the fact sheet. Those boxes contain toys, appliances, bicycles, furniture that Americans purchase online at their local small business and pieces and parts that are sent to U.S. factories for our workers to assemble into products. 
Additionally, the Port of L.A. will move to 24-7 service coming after the Port of Long Beach began similar operations several weeks ago, officials said. The International Longshore and Warehouse Union also made a commitment to staffing 24-7, meaning that it will double hours that cargo will be able to move outside of its docks and on highways, according to the White House. The supply crisis is driven in part by the global COVID-19 pandemic and potential vaccine mandates as sales of durable goods jumped amid worker shortages and transportation hubs uh, slow down. Lower than expected Christmas sales could hurt U.S. companies and pose a political risk for Biden. Thousands of shipping containers on cargo are on cargo ships offshore waiting to be offloaded at the port of L.A. and the port of Long Beach. Similar backlogs exist at ports in New York and Savannah. A shortage of warehouse workers and truck drivers to pick up the goods and another reason for bottlenecks. So think about this, right? Democrats for years have talked about how bad Republicans are. They've talked about how, I mean, how bad these billionaires are. I mean, Bernie Sanders literally has campaigned on the idea that there should be no billionaires. But when the, when it really comes to it, when it comes time for them to need Christmas to be able to happen, even though I don't think a lot of Democrats don't want Christmas to happen. They understand the power of the free market. Now, because polling numbers are, are sinking, as we'll get into later, uh, a poll via, I believe it was Reuters, which typically does favor liberals anyway. What's even worse is a story I, that was broken by Ryan Savidra over the Daily Wire. U.S. Air Force, quote, five people on board flight out of Afghanistan intended to hijack the aircraft. But don't worry, they told us that they knew exactly who was on these planes. It says the U.S. Air Force revealed this week that they had received intelligence that five individuals who boarded a flight out of the Hamid Karzai International Airport in Kabul back in August intended to hijack the aircraft and that U.S. forces had to quickly move to stop the situation from happening. The revelation was made in a statement released by the Air Force. The Air Force said, quote, as a steady stream of C-17s entered HKIA, PRTF personnel started tracking military and commercial flights into HKIA. That's the airport. The data they were tracking was pivotal to managing airflow airspace and requests for additional airlift support based on the numbers they got through the gates. Lieutenant Colonel Brian DeSalto said, on one occasion, after they received an intel tip, five people on board one of the commercial flights intended to hijack the aircraft. Our team worked to get them clear of the NATO ramp, re relocated to the north side, um, away from friendly forces, and then ultimately onto the south side where the situation was handled. The statement also revealed that the combat aircraft on the ground were about to be swarmed when they barely managed to take off on, quote, a sliver of the remaining runway. Defense One added, quote, the chaos extended outside of the gates, where many of the same veteran groups now working with the State Department and DOD had scrambled to charter flights and in some cases flown to Afghanistan themselves to rescue the commandos, interpreters, and other Afghan staff who'd helped them during their deployments. During the two weeks of chaos, many groups we were working largely on their own, the Air Force said in its Wednesday narrative summarizing the days and weeks leading up to the 31st. During Democratic President Joe Biden's turbulent pullout from Afghanistan, 13 U.S. troops were killed in an, ISIS, in an ISIS-K terrorist attack at one of the gates on the airport. The Air Force also added that the sewage alley near Abbey Gate was packed with over 10,000 people when it was bombed around 6 p.m. local time. The terrorist then engaged with small arms fire. 11 Marines, one Navy corpsman, and one soldier were killed in the attack. 17 service members were wounded and received care at the Regional Medical Center in Ramstein in Germany before being transported to Walter Reed National Medical Center near Bethesda, Maryland. One Marine was still conscious in serious but stable condition, according to a U.S. Marine spokesperson, as reported October 6th. 
More than a thousand service members attended the ramp ceremony ceremony of the 13 KIA at uh, at the airport. Ramp ceremonies have historically never been shown before, but this one was mistakenly uploaded and then removed on the Defense Visual Information Distribution Service. On social media, veterans and service members shared the photos and memories of their own experiences at ramp ceremonies as the fall of Afghanistan had been more emotional. So what we're what we're learning is the Biden administration has no clue at all what they were doing. I mean, could you imagine what would happen if these terrorists were able to get a hold of this aircraft? This aircraft has many more capabilities than what the ones of 9-11 did. These aircraft have, have firearms, guns. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? I mean, getting getting into Afghanistan, this is also related to the Daily Wire. Dozens of California school children still trapped in Afghanistan. But the Biden State Department hasn't talked about them in weeks. At least 41 elementary school students from San Juan Unified School District remain trapped. These aren't college students who chose to go. They're elementary school students. It says in getting them out is proving to be an impossible task. That's what Rep. Daryl Issa of California says. It's continually pressing the Biden administration, State Department, Homeland Security, and the White House to assist the rescue. He said, quote, San Juan Unified School District officials last week said 41 students were trapped in Afghanistan, a sharp increase from the two dozen or so the district had previously identified. Of the 41 kids, three were evacuated over the weekend from the war-torn country but remain overseas. Sacramento City Unified officials last week said eight students are stranded in Afghanistan initially. Then they identified just one family who the Sacramento, Sacramento Bee interviewed. Attendance records as the school year has progressed showed more students were missing and staff traced their whereabouts to the country. So they're trying to hide it up. They're trying to say, oh, it's only a few kids. It's over 40 kids. Officials at the Baker Elementary School in San Juan say they're trying to cobble together a rescue mission because these, these, these elementary math teachers are going to be able to do what the U.S. military couldn't. They are working with congressional representatives but did not mention any coordination with the Biden administration. Probably because they wouldn't. Representative Issa, who is reportedly assisting in trying to get the Biden administration to divert attention to the trapped school children and their families, told the LA Times that they are trying to remind the White House, DHS, and State Department that there are children trapped beyond enemy lines under threat from the Taliban. Representative Issa, who has been very critical of the Biden administration on social media, has aided in coordinating evacuations. The LA Times reported his office told the paper that the Cong that Congressman Issa and his team continue to press officials' channels, including the state, DOD, DHS, and the White House on a daily basis. But where are you hearing any of this? No, we're talking about infrastructure. Because you know what's more important to the 41 kids than the 41 kids trapped in Afghanistan, scared out of their minds? Potholes. But not even potholes. Tree equity. People were so mad at mean tweets that they put somebody up who focuses on tree equity versus saving 41 lives. Let me tell you what I would do if I was president. I would drop three, four, five thousand Marines, have a couple thousand more on standby about, about 20 miles away, and we would walk through the streets and we'd tell the Taliban. We can play this one or two ways. You're going, to get, you're going to make sure we get these students, we get the rest of them, the Americans, or you're going to go meet your maker. There are 40, think about this, there are 40, that's two classes in an average school. That is two empty classrooms because the Biden administration is incompetent. 
Now, why they were there in the first place, I'm still not sure. But the fact that they were there and they're not being saved is crazy. You mean to tell me you're going to pull out the American military before you go and rescue 41 kids? It's absolutely asinine, in my opinion. Joe Biden, Lloyd Austin, Anthony Blinken, all these people need to be held accountable. And to a certain extent, yeah, Mayorkas needs to be held accountable too. They can all be doing something right now. Lloyd Austin and Blinken and Mayorkas need to do a press conference where they say if Biden doesn't start doing stuff, they're going to resign. Because there are Americans, American school children, but probably hundreds of other Americans trapped within the borders of Afghanistan right now who can't get out. But it's okay because no more mean tweets. Hope you like playing almost $4 a gallon in most places for gas, but you don't have to read any more tweets. These 41 school children are probably going to die, but no more mean tweets. Seriously. Are you serious right now? The State Department would say only that they have assisted in repatriating around 200 individuals given no specifics on how many Americans remain inside Afghanistan nor about whether there are efforts being made to evacuate them. Quote, we have assisted 105 U.S. citizens and 95 permit residents to depart Afghanistan. These are numbers of people who are those uh, those individual departures we directly facilitated. Due to privacy considerations, we are unable to comment on specific cases. We are first focusing on U.S. citizens with immediate family members who are ready to depart and have travel documents. We will then more intensively focus on the subset of U.S. citizens with immediate family members for whom documentation has been an issue to find ways to assist them. Then uh, this great, great thing over there at uh, National Review, Jim Garrity noted also Wednesday that a U.S. Fulbright scholar who was in Afghanistan to aid refugees is now missing. The State Department was similarly vague on her whereabouts in any effort to pull her from Afghanistan. Look, I hate to tell you, but we're probably never going to see her again. Taliban's not known for being very, uh, very welcoming to females. But Biden just handed them entire, an entire country. Look, and a lot of people on, I would say, the the more isolationist libertarian right, which a lot of people are, and that's completely fine, said that this is the country these people wanted. The average age in Afghanistan, I think, is something like 19 or 20. It's very young, right? Because all the military-age males fought us and died. We have been occupying Afghanistan since, um, since uh, I think, November of 2021 or October of 2021. They've never known this life. City Department said, we are tracking events in Afghanistan closely and are reviewing the future of the Fulbright program. They said, we are committed to the aspirations of Afghan students and scholars are appreciated the continued interest of semifinalists to study in the United States. We know this is a challenging time for these Afghan students and their, it's a challenging time for the 41 elementary students. I hate to tell you. But I guess there's a little bit of good news. Good news is that Americans are starting to turn on Biden. This is uh, via Trending Politics. Uh, Neil, Neil Patel over there at Trending Politics. It says, quote, President Joe Biden's poll numbers are tanking, especially among independent voters. The American people do not like weak leaders, and they do not like the craziness that is infiltrating their lives. Biden campaigned as someone who would bring the country together. Since taking office, he has made no effort to do that. Instead, he has continually conceded to his party's far left wing, which is growing crazier by the day. 
It's not clear if Biden is just too weak to take them on or if he's buying into their craziness. But either way, people are not happy. The Democrats are making are somehow making the Republicans seem appealing against your average non-politically aligned voter. Given the current disarray in the Republican Party, that was a tall task. It's almost as if the two parties are competing to see who can turn off the middle more. This week, the Democrats are in lead. Their policies are so crazy, not even their allies and the dominant corporate media can succeed in selling them. So let's look at Quinnipiac University is a major, major polling outlet not known for a bias. In their latest poll, Biden's overall job approval rating plummeted to 38% from the highs in the mid-50s earlier in his presidency. Now, things look worse for Biden when you look at the complete collapse of his support from the political independents who disapprove, not, 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 not approve, but disapprove of him by 60%. Typically, when it comes to independence, it'd be like, ah, 40% approve. A lot of people, you know, because there are a lot of independents who side with Republicans and who side with Democrats, right? There's socialists who are like, yeah, I'm not a Democrat, but I'm an independent, right? But but seriously, 60% of independents disapprove. And it gets worse yet again when you look at key issues independent voters really care about. On the economy, Biden was underwater by 28 points. Now look at taxes. He was under by 30 points. On immigration, he is down 48% with only 22% approving of his immigration. We'll get into the immigration in a little bit. 70% of people disapproved of how he was doing with immigration. On the Mexican border, though, it's even worse with a net negative of 55%. 63% of independents, this is a big one, think that Biden is a good leader versus only 34% or think that Biden isn't a good leader versus only 34% who do. Finally, only 35% of independents think the Biden administration has been competent running the government versus a whopping 62 who think they're incompetent. It's a pretty clear picture, but it's not a very pretty picture. So how did Biden squander all his popularity? Well, it's not hard to see when you analyze the issue. On immigration and border security, the hard left is in favor of open borders. Biden claims to disagree with his view, but the policy changes he's put in place since coming to office have obliterated any semblance of security America had on the southern border. Millions and millions of immigrants are crossing illegally. The U.S. government doesn't even know what the real number is, and it also does not know how many terrorists or criminals are crossing or how much deadly fentanyl is making it across with so little resistance. The people don't want this. On economic issues, the socialist wing in the Democratic Party is firmly in charge of the agenda in Washington. The new policies they're trying to ram through Congress will add trillions of dollars in debt and, and new spending in taxes. Somehow, Biden seems to have been convinced that ramming through this level of increased government involvement in our economy will make him a historic leader. He thought he'd be the new FDR. However, nobody voted for this. Certainly, the, independent, the many independents who voted for Biden to help heal a broken country did not sign up for it. The hard left is harassing the two Democratic senators who stand in the way of the socialist, and Biden is passively watching it happen. The situation in American schools is out of control. Radic radicals are inst instituting programs and curricula that are the most accurately described as racist in school districts across the country. For instance, a school in Buffalo, New York, for example, prescribed a curriculum including Marxist teachings on, quote, disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. A private school city in New York even encourages students to stop using the term mom and dad. But don't worry. Don't worry. They're not going to completely try to change the country. Yeah, BS. Racial segregation is back. It advocates this time for the people who are so-called anti-racist as opposed to the traditional brand of racist who is advocates for such policies. However, the results are the same. A school in Madison, Wisconsin, for example, segregated students and parents by, by race into so-called affinity groups for classroom discussions. Imagine that. 
And in Wesley, Massachusetts, the public school hosted an event pushing a so-called healing space available only to minority students. The school didn't even try to hide it. They said, no, this is a safe space for our Asian American and students of color, not for students who identify only as white. Parents are understandably up in arms over these attempts by radical educators to brainwash their children with Marxist or even avert racism. They've taken the school boards and record numbers to push back. The Biden administration's response, you ask? Do you ask? Do you so ask? This week, the attorney general sent a memorandum to the FBI and said the problem is not this radical policy. The problem is the parents. Look, nobody is in favor of parents threatening or committing violence against teachers. That's a fact. But the memorandum was worded so broadly as to be reasonably viewed itself as an attempt to intimidate parents from questioning the radical ideologies being imposed on the students across America. Now, Biden has earned his unpopular. When you share the gift of Play-Doh compound, every can opens a world full of colorful possibilities. A blue alien can ride a purple donut or a robot and a bear can share a pink birthday cake. So surprise them with the Play-Doh brand this holiday and watch imagination take shape. If you have diabetes, Excess sugar could be causing damage in your eyes that you might not even notice. So be proactive about your eye health and take charge of your sight. Learn more at nowic.com. Brought to you by Regeneron. Popularity, in my opinion. Through some con- combinations of weakness and incompetence, the left wing of the Democratic Party has gone firmly out of the American mainstream in several policy areas. Instead of standing up to this fringe, Biden and the party have been catering to the socialists. It's not clear if they do this because they agree or whether they're too weak to oppose it. But either way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. They're trying to change this country fundamentally. Because if we look over to the conservative brief, leaked documents show that the Biden administration has enabled the mass release of migrants into the United States. Guess what? They also want to give these people the right to vote. A trove of leaked documents show that the Biden administration has released tens of thousands of migrants who cross the border illegally into the United States and is doing little to nothing to track their whereabouts. What's more, according to Fox News exclusively reporting, the admin is broadly employing some experts subject improperly. Migrant parole authorities suggest by giving up to 30,000 of them since August eligible for work permits. That's 30,000 people. The documents give a partial snapshot into how the Biden administration has been releasing enormous number of migrants into the U.S., often with little to no oversight, supervision, or immediate risk of deportation. Network correspondent Bill Malugan posted the leaked documents on Twitter, adding in a thread, according to the Border Patrol documents provided by a source, the federal government has released over 70,000 illegal immigrants into the U.S. since August 6th, including 32,000 released via parole and 94,000 released um, via NTR since March 20th. Think about this. Additionally, the documents show that on a single day in Del Rio sector, September 28th, 128 single adult illegal immigrants were released from Border Patrol custody without alternatives to detention, which includes tracking mechanisms like, I don't know, ankle monitors. Under federal law, parole for non-citizens is done on a case-by-case basis and for only urgent humanitarian reasons or significant public benefit. Former U.S. Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott tells me he's only granted 5 to 10 per year as a sector chief. The Biden administration, 32,000 in just six months. Talk about efficient. It's the one thing Biden's efficient. It's ruining this country. 
It's the only thing Biden's good at is ruining this country. I hate to tell you. Look, I... Let's keep going. DHS declined to give us a formal comment or response, instead referring us to the CBP. A CBP official did not dispute the numbers and gave us a statement. Nobody... And gave us um, this statement. Nobody answered my question as to why so many paroles are doing it. Here is... Um, Here's the statement. Said, oh, hold on a second. Um, it's pulling it up right now. But this is absolutely crazy. So this is exactly, uh, well, that's not the one we want. Hold on a minute. Um, so somebody at the Border Patrol said, quote, we have not yet released our monthly operational update for September with final fiscal year 21 numbers. Statutory authorities for immigration detention, prosecution, and removal are utilized to address irregular migration, paroling individuals from Border Patrol custody on a case-by-case basis, and enrolling the heads of household and other family units into ATD programs, as well as conditioning the parole on reporting to ICE Conditioning the parole on reporting to ICE to be placed in removal proceedings provides mechanisms to require family unions, units released from the CBP to report to ICE within a specified time. The majority of individuals placed in Title VIII removal proceedings report to their hearings. It's 81%, which is, you know, not great, but it's, I guess, pretty good in, in, in their eyes, which, you know, keep in mind, I don't trust a lot of them. This is absolutely crazy. This is absolutely 100% positively insane. And what does Joe Biden say about all this? Nothing. He's probably napping in Wilmington, Delaware, as we speak. As the 41 elementary students are currently probably being tortured by the Taliban, these people are ruining this country. But they don't care. They don't care at all. So, what are we going to do? Because we can't, we can't live like this. We really, we can't live like this. We, we will, our country, here's the thing. A lot of people are like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. I'm not too sure about that. I'm not too sure that it'll be fine. We need to get this fixed. We really do. I'm going to play this video via Donald Trump Jr. Guys, it never ceases to amaze me. Check out this video of Joe Biden trying to speak. I I would have said speaking, but it's so bad. It's almost as though you couldn't use that word, right? I'd get fact-checked of being like, yeah, he's not really speaking. He's trying. But, you know, he does this. He goes through a long list of people and names. He can't read them from a teleprompter. And these are people from the AFL-CIO, you know, the big unions that take all hardworking American union dues, give them to Democrat uh, policymakers and Democrat politicians who then create policy that are terrible for those said workers. Let's not talk about the irony. Uh, uh, Don Harmon, State Senator Laura Murphy, State Rep uh, um, Martin uh, Moylan, and uh, we got great labor leaders here too. Tim, where's Tim? There you go, Tim, thank you. Thank you, pal. AFL-CIO State President. And Jeff Isaacson, United Brothers of Carpenters. You've, and uh, Don Finn, IBW. Uh, and, uh, and Robert Reiter, Reiter, R-E-I-T-E-R, Reiter, Chicago Federation of Labor. And folks, uh, that's how we beat COVID-19. By all right, we're going to continue monitoring this here when it gets to the details of numbers and all of that, whether he takes questions. We are monitoring this. Okay. 
So do you really think that this guy, the leader of the free world, do you think he's making the decisions for our country that we need? Do you think he's capable of it? I don't. I, I personally agree with Donald Trump Jr. There. I don't think he I don't think he is capable of it. I mean I, I really don't. I think I think <laughs> I think that uh I think he's absolutely out of his person. I personally think he's absolutely out of his mind. I really, I really do. I don't, I don't know who's pulling the shots, but I know I don't think he is. I don't think he is at all. I don't think he is at all. Now I'm going to play, I'm going to play this clip here in one second. Um, that is a video of a masked toddler. Two, three. These are masked. Oh, hold on. I wear a mask to school. I wear a mask to school. Hi ho the Dario. I wear a mask to school. It helps to keep me safe. It helps to keep me safe. Hi ho the Dario. It helps to keep me safe. It keeps my friends safe. It keeps my friends safe. Probably four or five. Hi ho the Dario. It keeps my friends safe. And let me see a hooray. Put your hands up in the air. There are like 15 of these kids who are wearing masks who don't look happy. They look like they want to go home. But this is what's happening in public schools. This is what's happening in public schools all across the country. All across the country. This is what's happening. But but no more mean tweets. We need to fight back against the radical left. And we need to start we need to start fighting against this. We really do. There are only there are, I can count on my hands the amount of people who in the media who I trust. I can count on my hands the amount of people that I can trust in the media. And it's not a lot. We need to start fighting back because we have a lot of, a lot of things that need to be fought. We have a lot of things that need to be fought. This country needs to stand up and fight against these ideas of government controlled everything because it's not good. I mean, people agree. I mean, here's the thing. So there's a great, um, there, there's a great, we, we have a lot of people, but there, I'm going to, I'm going to play this clip from Saki. We'll talk about it. Fiction Americans expect that this will get worse before it gets better. I'm not going to make a prediction of that from here. Uh, we know there are a number of issues that impact the supply chain. And I, I don't want to make a prediction because it's not just one issue. Certainly increasing uh, the capacity at courts, at, at, at ports, not courts, at ports and uh, increasing the number of hours will have a positive impact. There's no question about that. But there are other issues that impact the global supply chain, um, including uh, the pandemic, uh, something that we are working uh, 24 hours a day to help address around the world. That's impacted manufacturing in some countries, manufacturing of. Could it be because you're encouraging these states to put in draconian lockdown measures? And that you're encouraging people 
to absolutely not go to work. They want to make fundamental change. Here's a clip of, the, of Saki saying they want to do it. The president doesn't prefer then one avenue or the other. The president wants to make fundamental change in our economy, and he feels coming out of the pandemic is exactly the time to do that. And if we don't do it now, if we don't address uh, the cost of child care, to go back to Josh's question earlier, if we don't uh, address the climate crisis, if we don't ensure that universal pre-K is a reality now, uh, we're, we're not going to have the same opportunity to do it for some time. If we don't install socialism now, we won't have an opportunity to do it for, for some time. Interesting. That's what they just said. That's exactly what they just said. But they don't want you and I to own firearms. Here, I'm going to play this clip of... Uh, I told him this is an 11-year-old who defended his house with a firearm. Listen. I going to kill him all that with a gun if we didn't get out of my house. 11-year-old Chris Gaither was home alone Wednesday morning when he heard a noise. Someone had broken into his house. Scared, Chris grabbed a 9-millimeter handgun. Right, when he was coming downstairs and told me he was going to kill me and F you all that. The intruder made it out the front door with a hamper in hand. That's when Chris started firing off bullets. As the intruder was to jump this fence, Chris's 12th and final shot hit the bad guy in the leg. I shot through a hamper that he was carrying, and it, went, it was a full metal jacket bullet. I went straight through the bag and hit him in his leg. And he started crying like a little baby. A baby that learned his lesson. When I pulled the gun out on him, I guess he didn't think it was a real gun because he, he didn't worry about it. He just kept on walking. The police have not released the name of the suspect, but Chris's mother says this man has robbed their house before. They don't know him personally. Chris credits his stepdad for his shooting skills. Yeah, he plays zombies for target practice. Turns out there's more than a basset hound on guard. I hope you learned a lesson from coming to this house trying to steal stuff. Hey, NBC. So, his dad, his stepdad, taught this young man at a young age how to use a firearm in case he ever needed to defend himself. Look, you know, I've taught many people how to use firearms in case they ever need to defend themselves. And the idea is that hopefully they'll never have to use it to defend themselves. That's the ultimate goal. You know, you don't have a firearm to protect yourself. I mean, you have a firearm to protect yourself. You hope you never have to use it. You don't have a firearm. Hopefully, you don't have a firearm to go and be you know, and to start trouble. You have a firearm to stop trouble if it comes to your house because obviously you'll defend your own, which you should do. That is your responsibility is to protect the people who you care about. But if the left had it this way, this 11-year-old, and I think this was from a few years ago, this 11-year-old could be dead. This guy could have easily overpowered this 11-year-old. He's 11 years old. He's not very strong. I could probably kick a bunch of 11-year-olds but at the same time, because they're 11-year-olds. But if an 11-year-old had a gun, I'm severely outmatched. If I don't have a gun, right? I'm severely outmatched. This is the problem with the radical left in this country. They don't want you to have the rights they think. Cory Bush, Democrat, or I should say socialist from, from Missouri, said that we need to defund the police, but she needs to keep her protection because people want to hurt her. Well, you know what? People want to hurt average everyday Americans too. People want, people say 
You don't need a firearm to protect yourself against the government. What would the government ever do? Well, the government's currently labeling people who don't want their kids to be taught that white people are oppressors and that because somebody's white, they're made different to somebody who's black when it doesn't matter because that's not true. And if you don't agree with that, you're a domestic terrorist. You know what they do with domestic terrorists? They've already said this, that we should treat domestic terrorists the same way that we treated the terrorists from 9-11. Think about what we did to them. Well, I guess eventually we gave them their own country, but generally think about what we did to them. This is absolutely asinine and it needs to stop. Hey, Noah here. I wanted to take a second because I realized I don't know if you know who I am. So I like to take the last few minutes of every single show to tell you who I am. I mean, you're turning to the dial right now. You know, you may have no, have no idea who I am. My name is Noah Ring. I'm foremost the, uh, the, the most prominent college conservative activist in the country I got my start a couple of years ago uh, in 2016-ish, you know, working uh, to try to help uh, Donald Trump get elected. Since then, uh, obviously, I've grown up a little bit since 2016. I was only 15 in 2016 when Donald Trump was elected to be the president of the United States. And I spent four years defending Donald Trump's uh, America First policy, defending him in the classroom. I uh, have kind of I've kind of token that, that I, I fight for conservatism and Trump in the classroom so that's what I've done for the last four years. I've fought for Donald Trump against radical left-wing professors, students, administrators, everyone. I also helped to defend many students across this country. Look, a lot of people weren't lucky like me and lived in a very conservative school district. And a lot of people are afraid that if they speak out against their radical professors or their radical teachers or principals or whoever, that they will be ridiculed and they'll be grade doc which if you don't know what grade docking is it's when they drop your grade uh, simply because they don't like you simply because in this case you support donald trump you support uh, pro-life pro-gun and you are for america first with that being said i am a contributor with campus reform meaning whenever i find some story that of some teacher doing absolutely crazy work or some college being overly overly biased i report on it because that is important the, the future of america is right is in college right now my generation will decide what happens. Gen X is overwhelmingly conservative. The millennial generation is overwhelmingly liberal. My generation will be the biggest thing. Because I saw a statistic a couple of years ago that by the 2028 election, my generation will be the vi- biggest voting block in the country. And I don't know about you, but I want to live under a Republican-led country led by the conservative ideals of limited government, limited our personal responsibility, limited government, and liberty. That is what the Founding Fathers guaranteed to us, and that's what I want to live by. So every Monday, I'm right here, 8 to 10 a.m., whether you're listening to this uh, on the radio or you're listening to this on the internet live stream, I'm right here. If you ever have any questions at all, you can email me, noah at noahring.org. That's my personal email. I check that too many times a day, honestly. Uh, You can also text me at 912-254-4838. 912-254-4838. But what I really seek to do with this podcast, with this radio show, is I seek to give my generation what is needed for them to fight back against the radical left on college campuses. Because I've seen firsthand what happens when one party rule comes to these college campuses. You think can't you think California's bad? Wait until you step foot on a college campus. Because at least in California, you have the protections of the Constitution of the United States. At college, you don't have those protections. So that's what I, that's who I am. That's what I'm doing. And that's why I, and I appreciate you, the American people, the great people of America listening and giving me this platform to be able to speak to you 
for, you know, roughly two hours a day, which my sixth grade teachers told me that I'd never make anything in my life talking so much, but look who has proved her wrong. Now, with that being said, make sure that you come back tomorrow at 8 a.m., 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. every single morning. We have great guests on all the time. We've interviewed uh, former Secretary of the Agriculture, Sonny Perdue. We've interviewed Marjorie Taylor Greene, Mike Collins, uh, Congressman Gary Graves. We've interviewed all these people. We've interviewed senators, congressmen, governors, uh, all these people who candidates as well, and just interesting people we had on a guy named uh, Alejandro who used to be a member of Antifa and now and Black Lives Matter, and now he is one of the biggest people fighting back against those very organizations. So we have on great guests all the time, and we bring you the news that nobody else is going to bring you. You're not going to find these headlines on Fox News because I have a lot of I have a lot of people throughout the country who are looking for stories uh, that are happening in high schools and colleges and even even really some corporations and Fox news doesn't cover those for whatever reason. So I guess I have to do that. So I hope that you will tune back in tomorrow morning at 8 AM as we take on the left one more time. I don't know how long I'll have this platform. I don't know how long I'll be on social media, but we will take on the left one more time tomorrow morning at 8 AM ending at 10 AM. So it's perfect for your morning commute. And also if you can't listen to this live, you know, some people are busy, whatever I do typically upload the first hour, first 40 or so minutes of the first hour to the podcast, which you can find at noahring.org. But thank you so much for tuning in today, and we will see you on the other side. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24 7 customer support and specialists to help with hard to find products. Because you've got everyone's back, we've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey there, if you have diabetes, listen close, because your ears could help your eyes. Excess sugar could lead to eye damage and vision loss, or even blindness, and you might not notice it first. Remember, now is the time to get your eyes checked. Eye care is especially important with diabetes. See a path forward with actions and potential treatment options that may help your eyes and protect against vision loss. Visit nowic.com and take charge of your sight. Brought to you by Regeneron.